And what we've been doing is we've been trying to encourage you, if you don't already have one, to find a life verse. A verse that can be an anchor for your soul. Because I don't know if you've noticed, but the world tends to push us around and sometimes it's not very nice to us. And what the word can do for us is it can steady us. It can bring us hope and assurance of God's love and his faithfulness when we most need it. So a while ago when Steve had mentioned this series and we're going to have all the staff members do a little video, I said, listen, Steve, I look much better in person. So if you could just let me handle my verse, I'd be okay. Since day one, growing up as a kid, I battled rejection and thoughts of just feeling worthless. And as I grew up into college, I noticed that I'm facing kind of those same thoughts, different situations, but still fighting those feelings. As an adult, I faced some different hardships with relationships and jobs and the desire to be a father. And, and every time my journey led me to some of his love, the truth of his heart, his passion for me, and that truth set me free. And my life has really been a just barriers and struggles and frustrations and then me encountering the word of God and then God helping me through those struggles or destroying those barriers. This idea that in order to be free, we must abide in the word. That's what scripture says. We love to say in the truth, set us free. Woo! But it also said before that we must abide in God's will. And it's not only an apt description because my name is Will, but really what I'm trying to do is just share what God is teaching me and how he's trying to get me to be the will that he made. And, and I do all that because I know the experience of freedom that I had simply because the word is spoken into my life. And, and my hope is that others would experience that same freedom. Because this is what I know, that, that our commitment, my commitment, your commitment to the word of God will be reflected in the experience and the freedom that you experience. I understand that if you don't abide, if you don't listen to God, if you don't attempt to apply God's word to your life, then you will not find freedom. Isaiah 48, 17 through 18 says this, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit. I'm the one that leads you in the way that you should go. Oh, if you had paid attention to my commandments, the peace that you would have had would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. We get this idea that if, if you would have paid attention, I, I've come to show you the way, but, but if you don't pay attention, then there's nothing I can do. So I don't know, when I was in high school, one of my teachers gave us a quiz. And he says, I want you to read the instructions before you take this quiz. Did I read the instructions? No, I did not. So you know what I did? I took the entire quiz, and I felt pretty good about it. I felt like I, I, I got a good grade on it, right? All to find out that the instructions on the top of the quiz said, write your name and turn it in. Now, you would think that most children would be smart enough to notice the random kids that are noticing this and getting up to turn their paper in, but no. 
I sat there and continued to take the quiz. Could have gotten 100%, but I didn't listen. And, and that's what I'm trying to say today. That taking the quiz is so much harder than if we would just listen to the instructions. If we would listen to what God would have to say for us. If we would abide, we would know the truth and the truth would set us free. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that if you read the, the word of God that all your problems are just going to fly away. Y'all are smarter than me. You understand it doesn't work like that. But if we did abide in the word, we would experience something. We'd experience his peace, his joy, the things that God can give to us in any moment, regardless of what's happening in our lives. That's what freedom is. So we've got to ask the question, okay, okay, okay the truth sets us free, but what, what does that mean? Free from What? And I believe that the truth sets us free from a lot of things, but there's three I want to focus on today. And, and if you want to follow along in your outline, this is where we get started. The first blank. I think that truth brings freedom from our weaknesses. And what I mean by that is our sin, our temptation, our failure, our addictions, our struggles, our missteps, our, our mental barriers. This is Samson's Delilah. It's Paul's thorn. It's Moses' speech impediment. Nebuchadnezzar's pride. The rich young ruler's money. Solomon's 700 wives. Jacob's deception. Those, those things in our life, that, that thing that just seems to keep tripping us up over and over again. The other thing that it sets us free from is darkness. From shame, from depression, from loneliness, from sadness, from grief, from anxiety, from the funk. At least that's what I'm going to call it. You just, you just get in a funk sometimes. This idea that who I am and where I am is just who I am and who I'm always going to be. That I'm broken, I'm, I'm not enough. And the worst about that is sometimes you just feel powerless to make anything happen or to change. Truth also frees us from lies. Lies that are the power and weapon of Satan. Satan has been defeated by Christ, so Satan's only real power is to lie and deceive. See, Satan wins when his lie becomes our truth but is defeated when we spend time in the truth and we figure out what his lies are. The problem with lies is, is that they can change the way we see ourselves. They can change the way we perceive our situation, the way that we see other people. I think, okay, okay, the truth frees us from this stuff, but what, what, is, what does that look like? How does this happen? I think that the truth brings freedom by showing us the way. I visited a country called Bangladesh, and we went to a city called, you ready for this? I, the, there's no way this is happening today, but it's fine. It's Lali Manor Hot, right? That's a, that's a mouthful right there, but they don't say it like that, right? You go, where are we going? Let my head. What? What did you just say? Yeah, yeah, let my head. Okay. We're going to let my head. I guess the key is to just say it fast enough that it just sounds right, you know. So we're on our way to Lalmarat, and we're, we're in this 
we, we get in this giant Mercedes Benz charter bus and foolish me, I see Mercedes and I'm thinking, woo, just go, yes. Yeah, it was not nice. And it did not smell good. Okay, let's just be honest. So I'm sitting in the front because I decided, you know, I'm, I'm in Bangladesh. Like I'm getting a full experience, right? Like I don't know who travels to Bangladesh. I don't know. I'm getting the full experience. I'm sitting in the front and, and I can't sleep. You know, I'm that guy that's always trying to sleep, but he can't really sleep. He's just pretending. And I kind of wake up and I don't know if I'm dreaming or something's crazy going on, but there's an elephant in the road. And I'm like, yeah, that's an elephant. And so our, our, our bus stops, right? And we're just sitting there. We've probably been there for five minutes and I'm like, what in the world is going on? Eventually, the elephant puts his trunk in the window and the driver hands the elephant some money and then the elephant moves out of the way and we keep going. And I'm like, what is going on? Did we just get robbed by an elephant? And so I, I asked the Indian pastor, I said, what's going on here? He says, elephant toll. What? Elephant toll? He said, yeah, I don't know if there's like Indian people out there roping elephants just so that they can charge people elephant tolls. But, you know, I was thinking about this. We, we need to go to the zoo and say, listen, I need to borrow an elephant. I've got a really great idea for a youth fundraiser. <laughs> but I, those of you that have been out of our country and have experienced driving in some other countries, you may have come to the same conclusion that I have, is that you learn to really appreciate the traffic laws in America. Because there are some things going on over there that are, are just beyond comprehension, right? And I understand that we have a lot of them. And we may not agree on all the rules, but the purpose of the law is to keep us safe, right? It's not a bunch of dudes in the government saying, how can we ruin their lives? Okay, maybe it is. <laughs> Sorry. But, but the purpose is to keep us safe. The same is true of the Bible. And I get sometimes we get through this thing where we're like, well, the Bible's old school. It's precepts are just, they're not relevant or outdated. But listen, God doesn't give us advice because he might be right. Right? The eternal omniscient God of the universe is not bound by relevance in time, which means that his, his advice doesn't have an expiration date, right? The author and creator of life, it, it's his truth. It's his word, and, and it's going to be that way forever, and that means that it's probably worth listening to, right? But my problem is, is that I'm a questioner. So if I go somewhere and you give me a set of rules, I'm going to obey the rules that I agree with, and I'm going to disregard the rules that I don't think should be there, right? That's, that's how I live my life. And for example, and let's, let's get, can we get honest here for a second? I'm going to say this, and it's going to be true of most of you, but you might deny it, right? Some of us here today view the speed limit as more of a suggestion, right? <laughs> I don't think I should have to drive 15 miles an hour right here, okay? So I'm not going to go crazy, but I'm going to go five over, right? The suggestion. But we cannot take that same approach to the word of God because his truth is the truth. Isaiah 55 says this, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. 
For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And and really what God is trying to say is, is that you are not smart enough to figure it out on your own. That if you do what others have done before and just do what's right in your own eyes, inevitably your thoughts are going to lead to weaknesses, mistakes, and bad choices. Like we need a savior for a reason, right? It's, and we got to get it out of our head. That I think some of us, we hear that and we think, well, that means that I'm not good enough. No, the truth of the matter is, is that we were not created to live here in the first place. Right? It was our choice that, that brought us here. And we've got to get it out of our heads that, that God is some cosmic cop just waiting to pull us over. He's not trying to shame you. He's not trying to embarrass you. He's not waiting for that moment where he can go, ha ha, I told you so. He's, he, he's not trying to do that for us. He just is trying to show us the way, a better way. I, I don't know about you. I'm going to get honest with you today and, and it's okay. Just bear with me. But as a male living in this society, uh, lust is a real deal, okay? It, it's difficult. There is stuff that I can lust after all over the place, right? It's a challenge. But the Word of God has done something to me, has given me victory over lust in a real way. And, and this is how I came across the story in Samuel. And it's about one of David's sons, Amnon. And one of his sons finds a sister, and he's infatuated with her. He thinks that she's the most gorgeous thing on the planet, and he cannot rest. He cannot think about anything else. All he wants is her. And so he does everything he can to get her, but they're brother and sister. And she's like, you're crazy. This is gross. Don't do this. And then eventually it gets to the point where he just rapes her. And it, there's, a, there's a line in Scripture that was just sobering to me. And it said that in that moment, after he had completed the act, he hated her more than he ever loved her. And I thought, wow, that's what lust is. Lust is a lie. Lust says, this is what you want, but it's really not, right? Because you see the end. So, So that's what the word of God does. When we get faced with temptation, it's the word of God that frees us from these lies that think this is what we should do, or this is what we want. No, no, it's not. In fact, for for this guy in this story, the older brother found him out and ended up running him down and killing him. So all of this for for lust, and it ends up costing him his life. And that's all God is trying to do. He's trying to show us, listen, there's there's a better way. I just want, want to keep you from making these mistakes. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. We live in this culture where we get so obsessed about everybody winning and not hurting anybody's feelings. And I don't think, God's not, God's not showing up and saying, you're idiots, you don't know the way. God's saying, no, 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 I, I am the way. I'm not trying to be mean about it. it. This is just the truth. You can't find God through anybody else but me. I don't want to be mean about that. That's just the truth. That's what life is if you want to have life, you have to find me. But often we see the, the Bible and scripture as this long list of rules. And the problem is, is that when you treat the word that way, you either obey the law and you become arrogant or you break it and you drown in shame. And I think that God just wants us to focus on him, on our relationship with him, on loving him, on loving our neighbors. I, I think we overcomplicate it. Jesus comes into the world and says, no, 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 the law is not the way. I 
and the way. He came to free us from religious complexity. Free us from the law. It's not about the law. It's about getting to know the character of God. And maybe some of you, you've, you've struggled in your relationship with the word of God because that's, you've only seen it as the law. And you've not seen it as a part of God. About relationship, about connection, about our lifeline to the Savior of the universe. So my question for you this morning is, are you putting yourself in a position where you can listen to God? Have you been seeking him in his word? Are you calling on him in your prayers? Do you sense that you are learning and growing? Do you sense that his ways are becoming your ways? Do you sense that you're starting to see more of the fruit of the Spirit in your life? This last couple weeks, I've issued a challenge to, to the youth kids to, to change their screensaver on their phone and to write one of the fruit of the Spirit on it so that they can remember, this is what I'm trying to be. And I try to never ask you guys to do anything that I'm not willing to do myself. And so what I chose is I chose kind. I just realized that I, I could be more kind. So I wrote, be kind. And, and I had this situation happen to me. And there, there was something. And they were, supposed to, they were supposed to do something for me. And they said they were going to do it. And they didn't do it. They said they were going to do it. And so I'm, I'm livid at this point, right? I'm angry. And I'm about to make a phone call. And I turn my screen on. And it says, be kind. I'm like, really? I don't want to be kind right now. I'm angry. And so I, it, it, called, it called me out. Are, are we doing stuff like that in our lives to try to draw us closer to the heart of God? To do things like being kind. Sometimes I think we get religion and we, we, we get it as this idea and list of things not to do. And maybe it's the exact opposite. It's a list of things that we should be doing. Jesus came as the living truth to, to free us. By showing us the way. He also came to free us by changing our perception. I don't, I don't know why. I have, ever since I read the story and the Gospels, I just have a heart for Judas. I feel so bad for the guy. He gets such a bad rap. And there's some that movies, they display him in such a terrible light. As this like just overarching evil character and guy. And I, don't, I don't know that he was all evil. He made some mistakes. He, he chose money over his relationship with God. But at the end, he, he knew it was a mistake. You know that both him and Peter both betrayed Jesus. And I believe with all my heart that the same grace that Peter got was available for Judas too. See, but Judas's betrayal, it changed the way that he saw himself it changed the way he saw a situation. It changed the way he saw his only family. He'd been living with these guys for three years. And the one people that he could rely on, he couldn't go to because he betrayed them. And he worked himself into this hole. And he didn't see any other way than to take his own life. I don't know. I have a heart for him. Right? How many of us can say we've been there? We've been trapped in some funk. We've stared hopelessness in the face. How many of you, listen, I'm going to ask you to be honest today. How many of you guys have experienced the subway effect? You guys don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, I'm going to explain it to you, right? You go to subway, you stand in line at subway, you leave subway, you smell like subway the rest of the day. <laughs> right? 
Nobody else has experienced that other than me. The same thing with a campfire, right? Sometimes like, it's like, like you're at work and I'm like, ah, I smell like, like what, what do I do? I'm just, I don't know what to do. I, just, I smell terrible. I, I don't want to smell like this anymore. It's that, that same mentality. We, we just get stuck in this like, what, what do I do? I'm depressed. I'm upset. I'm frustrated. I'm stuck. I, I don't know what to do. What? Here's the answer. Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire, set my feet on solid ground, steadied me as I walked along. He gave me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. You guys hearing this? He lifted me out of the pit of despair. He steadied me as I walked. He set my feet on the ground, right? He's given me a new song to sing. Isn't that sticking out to you? Never, nowhere in this verse did the author say, I help myself get out of the funk. It was 100% solely on his relationship with the Lord. What's it say? It said, I cried out to you and you heard my call and you showed up, right? Man, how, how many of you guys, you, you've been there. You've had that song stuck in your head. Is there anything worse than having a song stuck in your head that's just absolutely terrible? Right? This is the song that never ends. And now you're going to be mad at me because that song's going to be stuck in your head. You know what's even worse than that is when you've got a song stuck in your head and you only know like three lyrics to it. So you're just on a loop of those same three lyrics all the time. And for some reason, you never get good songs stuck in your head. But that's what God's saying. I, I can pull you out of that. I will give you a a new song to sing. He does that because he helps change the way that we perceive the world, the way that we perceive ourselves. He changes all that, the way we see our situation, the way we interact with people around us. He says, get your eyes off the problem and focus on me. Focus on my word. Let my way become a light and a lamp unto your path. I told the students this uh, a couple nights or whatever. Well, I don't even remember. I've slept since then. This is a powerful testimony I heard when, when I was a kid. And there was this lady, she came to a camp and, and she was sharing her testimony. And she said that she got to one of those places that she was just done. She had trapped herself in this deep, dark depression. And she had made a plan and she was ready to do it. And so she went and the only gun she had in the house was a shotgun. But she was a really, really short lady. And so she got and sat down and she went to go shoot herself. But she couldn't reach the trigger. She was too short. Like, <laughs> those of you that are shorter, you didn't even realize there was a blessing to being short. Just helped you out. And so she decided that she was going to go get a string tie it to the trigger, and then push it with her foot. But as she walked past her fridge, she saw a picture of her daughter hanging on the fridge, and she broke down. And she knew that she had to stay here for her. Almost like a landmark of remembering what you are here for. That's exactly what the Word of God can be in your life. When you get to these deep, dark, seated depression, it's these words, it's these stories that when you're trapped in those things, you remember, you know, I'm scared. 
And, and I don't see a way out, but God, I know you said you wouldn't leave me or forsake me, so I'm going to cling to that. And I'm not going to give up because it is you that will pull me out of this and set my feet on your solid ground. Set my feet on your word. Set my feet on your promise. What I can stand on regardless of how I feel. Remind you in the midst of how you feel what matters more importantly, and that's how God feels about you. That in those moments that you, maybe you feel fat and ugly, God would reach down and say, no, 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 you're beautiful. Maybe the moments where you felt worthless, God would reach down and say, yeah, it doesn't matter, I want you. Maybe in the moments you feel loved, God would reach down and say, I love you. When you feel burnt out, God would reach down and say, I'm with you. When you feel broken, God would reach down and say, I will renew you. Jesus came to be the living truth to set us free from the way that we see ourselves, our situations, the people around us. And the most important piece of this is that when our perception has changed, we come in contact with the most important thing, and that is hope. The truth brings freedom by uncovering hope, by waking us up and helping us see as he sees, how he sees me, his love in his heart for me, how he sees you, his love in his heart for you, as he sees my situation and the potential that my darkness has to be used for good. The hope that who I am and who I've been and the situation I find myself in isn't permanent. That who I am doesn't have to be who I become. 1 Peter 5.10 says this, You've suffered for a little while, but the God of grace who's called you to his everlasting presence through Jesus the anointed, he will restore you, he will support you, he will strengthen you, and he will ground you. See, growing up in my home, I, I had really good parents, and my parents loved me, and I knew that I was loved, but I grew up feeling worthless, and, and I might have shared this before, but, but part of the reason why I felt worthless is because I didn't feel like I lived up to who my brothers were. My oldest brother was like the people that everyone wanted to be around. He was the star athlete. You couldn't go out to eat with him anywhere in Tampa without somebody coming up and saying something to him. It's like, how do you know these people? Like, that's, that's the kind of person he was. He set the, the sack record in, in the state of Florida with 26 sacks in one season. Went on to play D1 football. My middle brother, dude is brilliant. Math just makes sense to his head, right? As a junior in high school, he took the AP calculus test and didn't miss a single question. Really? So there I am sitting at home saying, okay, God, thanks a lot. <laughs> oh, you've blessed me. Thank you. This is fantastic. But... All, all of these things were convincing me that I was average. And because I'm average, I'm not special. And because I'm not special, I'm worthless. Now, I love this verse because this is what it says. Even though you struggle, I will restore you. I will support you. I will strengthen you. I will ground you. I will ground you in the knowledge of who I am and the truth of who you are. And that you are special because I made you. Hope that my ability doesn't change God's love or disqualify me for eternity. 
hope that I was made for a reason that maybe I don't understand. And the truth is, is that I was ashamed of myself and I just assumed that everybody else was ashamed of me too. But I was using the wrong ruler because my giftedness was different than my brother's, but that didn't make me any less valuable or important. Because God had a plan for me. He had a job for me. He had a giftedness that he'd given me that he didn't give my brothers. And he had a plan for me. But it took me a long time to understand and see that. It took resting in the word of God to understand how much he loved me. And it took me a long time to understand 2 Corinthians 5.17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. I don't know where you are today, but I hope you understand. And I hope you hear this. You are not bound to who you used to be. You're not bound to who you've been. Christ came to free you from that. Let it die with Christ. You understand that no matter how heinous or dark your past may be, Scripture reminds us that his grace is sufficient. In fact, it's that same grace that takes your dark past, right? And it ushers it into the light so that you can minister out of your brokenness from the same thing that you needed healing from for other people. That because of hope and out of hope, you might be and give hope to the people around you. I'm going to ask Rachel to, to come. and She's going to play also going to ask our prayer partners if they would get into position. And, you know, we want to make these people available to you. And, and I know sometimes we get this stigmatism that if you go up front, man, you really must need the Lord. Well, let's get, can we get real for a second? We all need them. So whether or not something I said to you today stuck out and you feel like you want to pray about it, it doesn't matter. Maybe God's laid something on your heart and you just want somebody to pray with. Maybe you're just feeling lonely today and you just want somebody to pray over you. Nobody here is going to judge you. Right? That's the point here. Right? So I hope you come. I hope you'll take advantage. And Rachel's going to sing a song that we, we sung earlier. and just says, I am who you say I am. And just how important that is. You're not who the world says you are. You're not who your mom says you are. You're not who your teachers say you are. You're not what your situation says you are. You're not even what you say you are. I am who he says I am. But in order to understand who he says you are, you gotta, you gotta open this bad boy up. Because it is in here. And this is what I found out in my life. And this is why I cling to that verse because I know that every time I seek his word and his truth, it's his truth that sets me free from whatever garbage I got to go through. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word, for your truth, for your love, for our time to gather together to pray together, to worship together. What a blessing it is. Lord, I, I just pray that you would not let the blessing stop here, Lord, that you would go with us from this place. Help us be a blessing to others. Father God, that we would be reminded of your truth, reminded of where we find freedom. Lord, that we would be challenged to seek you in your word. 
Lord, that we would be challenged that, that if we, we hit a place where we feel like we're reading the word, but, but we're not getting anything out of it, Father God, that we would reach out maybe to a pastor, maybe to a friend, somebody that can help, help us walk through. That's why you gave us each other. Not so we could fight about everything, but Father God, we'd, we'd be able to lean on each other and, and chase you at the same time. So Father God, I just ask that you would just show us your way. Lord, I, I pray that you would help change the way that we see ourselves, the situation we're in, the people around us. Father God, I, I pray that you would help us to see hope. Father God, as long as you are alive and on the throne, hope exists, no matter how dark it gets. And I know that maybe there's some people here today, Father God, they're just stuck in that funk. Lord, I just pray that you would show up. I pray that you would move them. I pray that you would heal them. I pray that you would just, just pick them up out of the mire out of that pit of despair, that you would set their feet on the rock, that you would set their feet on your promise, on your truth, on your love, that you would show them that there is today hope for them. Lord, we look to you. We love you. We praise you. In your holy name, amen.